What's going on, everybody? Year 2, episode 22 of Pat's Interference. Got a big one tonight. Alabama pops up on Auburn 30-12 to in the Iron Bowl. Plus, we're going to preview conference championships next week. It's been a while, but we're back. We're excited to be back. This is Pat's Interference. Well, hey there, everybody. You're listening to Pat's Interference. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving break. We sure did. We've taken a little time off, like you've heard already, 14 days since our last podcast, and so much has happened in the college football world in those two weeks, so we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about it all right now. I'm Patrick Brickman. He's Patrick Norwood. Buddy, friend, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Had a good had a good Thanksgiving. Got to go have a, uh, a nice Rob's giving. Yeah, tell I, me about Rob's giving. It. As you've been Rob's giving was great. So Snapchatting uh, it. I hadn't. I had not seen my brother. It's the longest we've ever gone without seeing each other. It had been almost a year. Uh, so you know, it was it was great. Got to go see the Nets play, uh, the Celtics. Both those teams are bad at basketball. Uh, <laughs> then got to go to Princeton for actual Thanksgiving and to watch the Iron Bowl. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I went home for for a day, and you know there was some work mixed in there, but. Um, it's good to see the family, good to go home, watched all the rivalry games I needed to see, had my fill of turkey, and uh, just like any good family should. Now, as we were gone, obviously, um, a lot of can happen in two weeks of football. I think our last podcast we did kind of very briefly, we never previewed the Iron Bowl, actually. We did not. So I'm sorry to all the people that were really looking for an Iron Bowl preview, but I think you already pretty much know what we probably would have said going into that game after Auburn had zero first down to the second half against Georgia. We were all pretty confident. And uh, we saw what happened, a 30-12 to 12 win, so we'll just kind of move into now what is the recap of that game. That was, um... It, it, was, a, it was a strange... I've got a strange feeling coming out of it because... It was like, a tale of two halves. Yeah, really. like we dominated them, especially on the box score. But the first half was, was really... And, and this isn't just Alabama fans complaining because we have nothing to complain about. That was a bad first half. Uh, offensively, yes. Yeah, I mean, defensively, we've only had one bad half, and that was against Ole Miss. Right, and I mean, it was it was stagnant offense. I felt like I was watching Alabama's basketball team. Um, and then when we did couldn't... move the ball, we'd throw in just an interception. Two interceptions it, in the first half for Hurts. It just looked bad. It just looked bad. Uh, another sort of miscommunication is what it looks like. Another guy fell down. There's not a lot you can do on those falling now, down the, interceptions. The, yeah, the miscommunication one. I... We've heard it, I think this is probably the third time this year we've had an interception with those. I'm kind of tired of that excuse. I don't know who needs to get it right. I'm not in the huddle, so I can't tell you. But um, if I wasn't so confident about our defense right now, I'd I'd be nervous because I feel like Hurts could potentially give it. He's just, he's not, he's progressing as a, pe- a passer. Not as quick as I'd like to see because I want him to be, you know, Dan Marino with his arm and Michael Vick with his legs, but um, there, You're never there's still get that. no, but there's still there's still some decisions and some late throws and stuff that are still sticking out as problematic. Which potentially, and we'll talk about these teams later. Potentially, an Ohio State could maybe take advantage of. Then again, this is you're going to hear kind of me be different today in this podcast. I've kind of just really flipped a switch in the last two weeks. Where you know I've always kind of cautious about our opponents no matter who we play unless it's western kentucky just i kind of right. give you know and i always ask the question how can they beat us it's just getting harder 
and harder to do, even as our games are getting more difficult. Anyway, first half, bad. I want to go back to the play calling a lot. It's been a season-long thing, right? The, right. The play calling in the first half has kind of left a lot to be desired. And then the second half, we ran the damn ball over and over again. Why do we keep right. doing this in the first half? Yeah, I... Is know, it a game plan thing, or is it a... I, I think it's a game plan thing. I think I think the first half, we always try and set up that one-two punch combo of we're passing, we're passing, we're passing, we're opening up the lanes for, you know, for running room and all that. And yet, you and I fall for it every first half of every game. Mm-hmm. You know? But, at some point, it's going to get to a point, kind of like it did with the old Miss game, where it almost gets to be too late to start implementing the run that late in the game. And, I, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know how I feel about it. I'm, I'm, I, I want to run the football most of our plays. And we've got the running back stable to do it this year. I don't see why that can't be possible. I really, like... I get that, yeah, we've got all these athletes of wide receiver, and we've got Hertz moving the ball, and he can do all these things outside the pocket. But at the same time, I'm just, I'm really, I'm fine with a 60-40. I'm fine with a 55-45 split run to pass, right. honestly. Right. And it's situational to me. It is situ. it's just, I can, I am, we, the thing that really killed Alabama early last season, and even some late, was negative plays. And the last two games we've played, We've had far more negative plays than I want. Nothing kills a drive like a negative play other than a turnover. So, I mean, if you can get three yards running the ball on first down or trying to do something cutesy on first down and get negative two. Second and seven, a whole lot better than second and 12. Right. That's why we have these drives that stall early in these games. That's why – and I felt like it was a little different this past week. Like, I feel like a lot of it was game playing the weeks before, throw the ball out, then come out and run. It felt, I think it, it felt very deliberate the second half. Like, Saban kind of went in and said, listen, I'm going to force you to run the ball. We're putting Scarborough in. We're just going to run it down their throat. Well, and I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I think that uh, in that first I, – I think this is the first game all season where you can really look like, just primarily at the stat book, at the box score, especially in that first half and say – you know what? Alabama's defense greatly outplayed their offense this game. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Auburn had four yards and were down 10-6. That can't happen. I think this that was... can't happen. I think this is the only game this year where I was more angry than you when you were telling me to calm down. <laughs> well, because... And no offense to you. I've been a part of a lot of Iron Bulls. And I know that that's the one game where you can't get angry early. But I texted you right after it happened, after the punt return. I said, classic Auburn. Because it all, a play like that always happens in the Iron Bowl. You remember 2009, they went up 14 nothing in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. Back to back. Boom, boom. I mean, even, that's, 20, that's even 2014, they were winning at halftime. Right. That's how those games are. Um, so that's why I was kind of that way with you. However... I, I was pretty pissed too. Um, you got you, you got there toward the end of the after that second interception. You kind of met me there, but it, I wasn't even really that mad at Jalen like you were. No, I, I was, was pretty, yeah, I was being hard on him, and it, it, was, it's crazy to think because he actually did end up with two hundred eighty-six yards passing. Like it's not right. like he was horrible. It's just 
I don't know. I didn't see as much of the second half in this game because I ended up having to go to work. So I watched it the second half, but I, I especially missed a lot of the fourth quarter. Um, just by working and looking up, and I saw we got the interception, and I saw all that stuff. But um, let's 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 go to some positives, shall we? So we did turn on the run game. Bo, Bo Scarborough, I'd say his best game of his career. Yes, and I think that Joshua Jacobs had the run of the season. Remind me which one that dragging, was. Dragging dragging eight Auburn players down the sideline for another three or four yards. Oh, that was yeah, that was pretty tight. I mean, that was that was Mark Ingram to a T. I hate to uh, piggyback off of the internet, but I saw an internet discussion. I mean, genuinely, after what Scarborough just did, Harris and Jacobs, who of the three? And I feel like you know Harris and Jacobs have been better more of the season, but who of the three? is your favorite. If you had to pick one, give him the ball 25 times, who are you picking? Jacobs. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm so close between Jacobs and Harris. I think Harris has the best vision of anybody I've seen in an Alabama uniform. Maybe uh, Mark Ingram, his Heisman season was there too. Just his, I like his vision, but Jacobs, the moves, they're subtle. I will give you this. Jacobs' moves don't look amazing, but they're so effective. Jacobs is so much better in the open field. Oh, you can, you're, yeah, you're correct there. I think Harris is better at breaking the tackles, but man, absolutely. And it's Harris be, hits the holes harder too. He sure. Oh, it's a, it's a good discussion. And then because, you got Hertz in there, but, who's pretty good in his own right at running the the ball. Yes, absolutely. But that's kind of all he can do, and I think we're starting to realize that. I'm not, is, I'm not. I'm not saying that he won't a be a good passer. thrower. I'm not saying that he won't be a good thrower. I'm saying he's 18 and throwing in the SEC. And he's throwing better than let's you know. I'll give him this. He's throwing the ball better than the consensus number one five-star quarterback Jacob Eason, the other true freshman. There's four oh, true well. freshmen in this conference starting. Right. The best thrower has been uh, Bentley at South Carolina. That dude has been great on a bad team. And then you've got sure. Patterson at Ole Miss, who's you know played. He's only played two games and he's been good. But I, I'm glad that I can say that Hertz is, has been a better thrower than the five-star pocket quarterback. Like, there's still stuff. He leaves a lot to be desired, but he hasn't been horrible. His, his deep ball leaves a lot to be desired. Right. Right. Um, I, Auburn was getting nothing on the defensive side of the ball. I'm tired of talking about the offense. Yeah, let's, let's the move to defense. defense deserves our entire attention because, holy crap. I mean, Auburn couldn't do anything. They tried two different quarterbacks. Three. Three. Yeah, you're right. Well, <laughs> Chandler Cox threw two, two passes in this game. He also got clocked on his second pass. <laughs> He's the one that threw the interception. He did throw the interception. And he got obliterated. He did. This, I mean, this defense, uh, John Franklin III got shut down. I mean, really, Auburn, really. That, but can you blame him? Because Johnson wasn't going to get him anything. No, what I'm saying is, really, you should start him. Oh. Why are you even starting Johnson? Oh, sorry, I went to John Franklin, sorry. He was Wait, four I may, I may have said that. I meant, I meant Johnson. <coughs> Why are you Excuse even me. starting Johnson? What's the point? He was 4 of 13 for 34 yards. An average of 2.6 yards per attempt. Just, what did you think was going to happen? As soon as they knew we White was playing... We named a patsy after how bad he underperformed. <laughs> we sure did. He won it, and then we retroactively named it after him. He's, he's awful. So as soon as... That was tweeted, and that was that news broke. Jeremy Johnson starting for Auburn. We won. Because, look, our offense probably could have afforded 
I mean, we could have scored two touchdowns and one. Yeah, and here's the, I would have started Franklin. I mean, this is all hindsight. As soon as you knew why it wasn't playing, we've done. We've been there with Johnson. I think Gus Malzahn has this little affinity for him, like they're buds. And you couldn't. I don't know. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Um, Franklin came in. He played much better than Johnson did. Uh, he had, I think, one long pass. He had another right. long pass where he just the the receiver just kind of didn't stretch out for the ball enough. It could have he could have beaten us deep another one. He's still a bad thrower. Still not have a good arm, but he has the, at least the formula for somebody that can be effective. And it would just be catching us by surprise. Anyway, the defense. Uh, how many total? We gave up less than 200 total yards again. Again, another. We've gone 17 quarters, which is more than a month without giving up a touchdown. I guess as we move on from this this Iron Bowl, you know, and we'll look back on it 30 to 12. What are your final thoughts on this game? Uh, that this is sort of the perfect uh, perpendicular meeting point on the graph that is Alabama and Auburn. Auburn is still steadily declining. I, I don't care that they're going to go to the Sugar Bowl. I don't care that they beat LSU and that it was looking like a decent year for a while. They came back-to-back Georgia-Alabama underprepared, undercoached, and looked terrible, while Alabama played probably the worst possible game they could have played on offense, and still the game never felt close. So I will always remember this Iron Bowl as the point where X marks the spot, Alabama is trending upwards. I'm not talking about just season-wise. I'm talking about dynasty-wise, team-wise. Alabama is still on the up. Auburn is still declining. Now, that could flip-flop next year because you know this rivalry. Yeah, that's what happens. But that's how I'm going to remember this Iron Bowl. That was a good point because, and to Auburn's credit, they exceeded on the season both of our expectations. The expectation was five, six wins. Um finishing just above maybe Mississippi State in the West. They're second in the West. There's a, there's a lot to be said about some of these wins they put, especially their midseason run they had. There's a lot to be said there. But at the same time, a lot of that defense is leaving. Um, the offense is still young and will stick around, but what's that going to get them? You know, we, right. They've got this young cat, Woody Barrett, that they redshirted. At front, at, that's, this is going to be the next name, just telling you now. The, next, the one you're going to hear about all offseason – Potentially two names, now that we've given up on Jeremy Johnson, Sean White, and John Franklin. Woody Barrett, of course Auburn's going to have a quarterback named Woody. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Sure. And that, that guy, that, um, he played really well for Baylor, and then he transferred because, you know, a lot of people transferred. Stidham, because I think Baylor. is his name? He'll yes. be the transfer. I don't, I don't remember how good he is. I, I only went and looked at his stats. I don't remember them off the top of my head either. He looks fine, but Auburn, you're right. It looked like they were trending back up, and then two games later, came They're to just a gone. complete it's just halt. Plummeting. It's just plummeting, and I don't know how you can look at Malzahn and decide to keep him. Who? Else, this is a bad year to need a new coach. Who else? Who else is out there? Herman was the big name. And really, how big is that? And Kiffin's probably the second biggest name. And if I'm sorry, but if that is, there's PJ Fleck from Western Michigan. That's. Ugh. Less miles. There's less miles, but do you really want your rival's sloppy seconds? Not if you're. You, you gotta have more pride than that. 
there are a couple names that I think are good. Um, just we'll get into coaches in a minute. I'll I'll say that because Auburn's not firing their coach this year. I don't think either no. of us expect them to. No. Um. Well, they're right. going to make the Sugar Bowl. How do you justify that? How do you? Ju- yeah, they've they, they've had a good season by what we expected. I'm going to take a quick second. Uh, I want to thank one of our sponsors here. Um, big shout out to Check Cola. As I said oh here, drink it. Check Cola. Um, you know who needs who needs name brands? Uh, put right. Thirst and Check. Just nice, refreshing Check Cola. As I sit here and pour it because my mouth is dry. All right. Uh, Did you find the any sound effects on the internet, or is this coming through your microphone? This is absolutely 100% coming through the microphone. I guess that's just the great sound you get when you open up a nice cold can of checks. Just nice check from Winn-Dixie. You can get it at your local Winn-Dixie. Um, all right, we're moving really on from right, the <laughs> SEC Championships next week. Hold on. All right, let me, let's let let's just go ahead and do this. Wrap up the regular season. I want to wrap up the regular season before we yes. do this. Okay. Why? Um, Here's my thing. No, hold on. Can I go off on something for a second? I think bragging and talking about the regular season in college football is dumb. I don't want to brag. Like, no, like, no, I'm just saying, like, you hear teams do that all the time. Teams get championship rings for being the regular season champion. That's Um, ridiculous. My favorite thing, you know, I kind of like FSU at this point, but my favorite thing is that they keep calling themselves the state of Florida champions. It's like, okay, That's the worst thing moral in the victory. Congratulations. You are the hottest Auburn sorority girl. <laughs> Congratulations. You are the tallest midget in the circus. Um, Congratulations. You're the fastest white guy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I'm sorry. We can, we can talk about the regular season. Uh, there's um, some discussions to be, to be said here, especially defensively. And well, you know, just, it, this is the only, it's hard to believe but this is only the uh, second undefeated season, regular season, under Nick Saban. It feels like there would right. be more, but There's this not. is number two. This is 2009 in this season. That's it. So I just kind of want to ask, you know, a lot of people are talking about it on the networks now and on the articles. What kind of team, historically, are we seeing? I mean, people are bringing up 2001 Miami. I'm, people I'm are getting, bringing I'm up getting, stuff like yeah. this. I'm getting close to that, but I think I still don't – I don't know. I, I hear all the time about 2001 Miami. Who is 2001 Miami's quarterback? Uh, I think it was Olsen. Some guy named Olsen? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's just you hear about those teams. I don't like comparing them to other football teams in other eras because football is weird. Well, and you're but right. I mean, they didn't run what they didn't I have enjoy to run the doing as much. is comparing them to other Alabama teams. Do I think this team is better Ken than 1992? Dorsey. Yes, and that's saying something. Do I think this t- team is better than 2011? Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 40, 42 players in the LSU-Alabama game of the century in 2011 played in the NFL. That's Between those two that's teams, one game. 42 players that is insane and uh, like i go back and i watch tape or i i I see you know i i see the the players that are in the nfl now that were on that 2011 team and i'm like god how did that team ever like i know they lost nine six in overtime but how did they ever lose do i think this team's better than them no 
I don't. Do I think they could be? Absolutely. Well, it'll be a lot easier to say if but, there's a national again, championship. But that goes back belts. to my original point. I don't like talking about this because the Warriors broke a single season record last year, and what are they going to be remembered for? They blew a three-one lead. Who can forget? Exactly. If Alabama loses out, what are we going to be remembered for? Not no. the greatest team in college football. The Three. team that never was imploded. I will say this then. We'll, we'll 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 table the discussion, but I will say this because I want this is the reason I set this up. Going back and just watching, I don't know that I've never ever seen a team. I don't know what Nick Saban's putting in the water there that is this disciplined. I mean, from the top down, what they do, especially on defense, but even some of the things they do on up. But I'm gonna stick. You know, the defense is what we got to talk about here. But the team as a whole, from what they do on the field and off the field, you would think it's easy because you look at Nick Saban and see what he does and go, oh, well, that's easy. You know, he pre- he preaches this process, never be satisfied. Even after a big win, there's always something you can improve. And you think every coach could be able to preach that mentality to their players. But you're also talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. and Well, it's not just about preaching. It's about buying in. It's about buy, getting get, your guys yeah, to buy in. Yeah, getting guys to buy in. I mean, look at, look at some of the guys. I mean, Jonathan Allen's the example of it this year. This is the guy that's bought in. I mean, he, he's like a robot. Julio Jones was like a robot. Trent Richardson, until he got to the NFL, he'll be remembered as lazy. But if you remember the things they said about him at Alabama, never left the gym. It's, I don't know. I'm. We'll we'll table the discussion for potentially after the season. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Well, we can move on to the um, the SEC championship. And this is where you're going to hear me kind of be different than I normally sound before we face so, the team. What I mean, what what difference is there between this year and last year? Honestly, when we look at the two teams, when we look at the mentality of the two teams, I mean, you've got here Patrick's Florida take. Honestly, my because I assume you meant yourself. Yeah. My take on Florida, they don't think they can win. You should hear some of their fans here. I, no, I don't care. Their head coach said that he gets physically ill when he watches game tape of Alabama. <laughs> if your coach is saying that he gets sick watching game tape of his opponent, he knows he's not going to win. Okay. That is contagious. We have to ask this because we're playing an SEC championship. You have to. I mean, we are in a title game of our conference. You have to ask this question: How can Florida win this game? I just. I'm failing. I. I'm not even gonna. I'm failing to see it. I genuinely. Unless we. I still think if we turn the ball over five times, we win by two touchdowns. I mean, I'm serious. I don't know about that. Five times is a lot. But, I think if we turn it over five times last year to Ole Miss and lose by what four, I just, I, I just, I think, I think uh, Florida has to force a lot of offensive mistakes. I mean, a lot, uh, and they've got to get pressure on Hurts early. But even then, I don't think they're. I mean, they've got a good defense, Brick. It is so injured. It is so injured, though. They had a they had a good defense. Right now, nobody's playing. I mean, they were. Statistically, they, they match up well. Yes, but you know, but I just watched that even FSU when they game. get the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to score. You could see they had no depth on that defense, and this is what my uh, this is my what uh, my meteorologist at work was saying. 
here's the thing that he didn't understand. All these excuses from Florida fans saying, like, um, our guys are injured. But if you have a guy injured, say you have a defensive tackle injured, you don't go from that defensive tackle to all of a sudden a scrub walk-on. You're Florida. You're the Florida Gators. Alabama just lost their second-best defensive player, plug someone else in, haven't missed a beat. You know, it's – anyway, but they're they're injured on defense. And even then, it's like – I don't know, man. I just – all right, so it, you're, it's gonna you're telling me how they can win. It, it's going to take a perfect storm. Right. I'm, and I'm not talking Hurricane Matthew. Ooh. I'm, I'm talking. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I like you said, I don't see it, but they're gonna have to force a lot of mistakes and get hurts rattled early. I early. hate to be that fan. I hate to be that fan that can't give the team credit. But I'm gonna go ahead and give my take on the on the Florida game. This is. I was talking. There's this. Talking to the fan today, and obviously Oregon's head coaching position is vacant, and there have been some rumors about McIlwain, and he, he kind of brought it up to me. And I looked at him, and he wouldn't hear what I was saying, but I looked at him and I said, you need to hope that he leaves. Yeah. If you want to compete for SEC champ, if you want to win the East on down East years, fine, keep McIlwain. But McIlwain is going to be getting you 8-4, and 9-3, and 7-5 and five win seasons, for the next decade if you keep him there. That's what kind of coach he, he To me, McIlwain represents something that Nick Saban desperately wanted to get away from. A philosophy that Saban wanted to get away so badly that he hired Lane Kiffin. That's how desperately he wanted to get away from that mindset, that mentality on offense, that, that the strategy. The whole hop. The whole thing. So yeah. now you bring it in. He has no quarterbacks. He's using... An Oregon State transfer, a former two-star walk-on at Alabama, and a Purdue castaway at quarterback. He's got two true freshmen that are clearly not, if you know Florida football right now, you know they're not living up to their billing in practice. That's it. Right. They can't run the ball. They've got good receivers, but nobody's getting it to them. I mean, Appleby was so pathetic this past weekend. And Del Rio has looked pathetic against Arkansas, and I'm off. The, I'm off McElwain in Florida. They need to go get a bigger name. They should be able to. Who do you pick up? <sighs> like that's the thing you were talking about, coach. Like who do you get? I don't believe in head, Lane Kiffin as a head coach yet, <clears throat> but he's probably the, the biggest name out there that wasn't Tom Herman. I like Scott Frost at UCF. He took the team from winning zero games to being a bowl eligible this year. Um, I like the idea of, of, of P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan, but again, none of these names are Florida ready. I'm just not sure that P.J. Fleck is really everything that... I don't know that, but I don't. I didn't think that McElwain was Florida ready when he went there. I never believed in that hire. And I, people would be like, you know, and people would say, well, he won a national championship at Alabama. He learned under Saban. I'm sorry, but we've learned that learning under Saban do- does not mean everything. It really right. doesn't. For every D'Antonio you get, you also get a Derek Dooley. Yes. And his offenses were just fine, but then he brought in Nussmeyer, and Nussmeyer's offenses were just the same amount of fine, and then we pushed both of that entire philosophy out the door for Lane Kiffin. And the offense hasn't looked back since. Right. I, I mean, you know how I feel about Lane Kiffin. 
what he's done for the university is absolutely amazing. And I, this is coming from someone who dislikes him. I've said it since we hired him. I say it pretty much every Saturday. I hate the way he calls football games. I can't stand it. But I think, I, yeah. I think he's probably, like you said, the most attractive offer. And do I think he's ready? I don't know. But I think he's a lot more ready than he was. He's not, yeah. I don't think and he's And I know that there's going to be some team desperate enough to want to give him a shot. Oh, there will be multiple teams. I, I, th- I do think this is the last year of Lane Kiffin at Alabama, wholeheartedly. No matter what, no matter what happens, I think there. I think Saban knew it. I think that's why we've got Sarkeesian in the building. We'll see if he's as good of an offensive coordinator. And here's 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 my Kiffin. He was exactly what we needed in 2014. Exactly. Right. We wanted right. the transition. He turned a running back into a good quarterback. He was exactly what we needed. He was exactly what we needed against Clemson last year. To to be able to beat Clemson, we needed to be fast on offense, and we did it. He was what we needed against Ole Miss this year. Right. I don't think we will lose a ton if he left. He's been great. And he made this I, transition I as seamless as possible. This was this was turning – I'm trying to think of an analogy. I mean, this was making the most hard-nosed, run-it-down-the-gut team into a spread offense with, right. the, with the recruits that were already in there to run that hard-nosed – spread it out or hard nose run it down your throat I'm trying to think of another sports analogy I'll get there but you can go on now yeah I mean let's let's so score predictions for Saturday oh boy I like 42 I'll give them 10 they made a special teams play on this last year I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 37 13 And I don't think it'll be that close. That's not bad. Like again, like they scored, they scored on us on uh, special teams last year. I'll give them a touchdown. But one thing I want to bring up, right quick, before we move into the national spotlight. Yeah. Where has Calvin Ridley been? I don't know, but Artarius Stewart was doing everything on Saturday. Played great, but where is Calvin Ridley? You know, you and I kind of predicted that, right? Said that he may have a down year like Amari Cooper sophomore year. Yeah. Looks like that's what he's doing. No, he's one hundred percent had it down here. Something to think about. Let's move on to the national stage. Will you let me have this one? Can I just tee this one off? I put it there for you. Vanderbilt beat Tennessee for the second time in three years. How is Tennessee? How how do they think they're going to win every year, Brick? How? 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 Please answer the question. How do you keep? How do you keep Butch after this? How do you keep anyone in the department after this? Honestly, they were picked to win the SEC East by multiple sources. Everybody, except for a few Florida and Georgias in there. Tennessee was far more runaway for the East than Alabama was for the West. Yes. Oh my, how quickly things can go awry, my friend. They lost to Vanderbilt. They lost to South Carolina. They controlled their destiny... After getting crushed by us, still Damn controlled the destiny. To Virginia, to Virginia Tech. No, they didn't. I mean, Rick, they were down by 20 in the first quarter. What do you mean, no, they didn't? Oh, I see what you're doing. What? I'm serious. That They did not win that game. Virginia Tech lost that game. Oh, okay. That's what, yeah. And they, I mean, and 
Yes, we are. We are a few. We are a fluke from them losing to um, Appalachian State to open the year. Yes, which you and know Ohio. at the time we said don't overreact. <laughs> Saying they were bad was not overreacting. That 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 team, that coaching staff. Listen, people love recruiting because it's exciting in February and it's exciting to see your name in the top five, uh, top three when it's all said and done and the classes are coming in. It gives you so much excitement for next year. Recruiting is such a small part. I mean, in the grand scope of things, a small part in college it doesn't football. Matter. It doesn't matter how many people you recruit if you can't teach them once they get there. Oregon was just a national... T- and Coach and Jones has proved to me that they can't teach them when they get there. Cannot. They can't do it. But, like I'm saying, Oregon was a national title... Other than their 4-8 and eight year this year, they've been national title contenders for the last 6-7 years. Do you agree with me there? Um, they didn't ever win it, but they were pretty darn close a couple times. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they went to two. Right. Um, that's closer than most teams will ever get, is kind of what I mean. But they're never in the top ten of recruiting. What My point is, you can get all the big five stars in the door, but if you're not developing them, like you just said, you got to get a new coach. You can sell your school, but if you can't sell your system and make it happen on the field, it's been an, it's this is as embarrassing as it's ever been for Tennessee. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, this is this out trumps the Dooley years. And they had worse because records. Because the Dooley years didn't really have the talent. No. They were just bad. Their record is better this year. What is it, 8 and 4? But oh. They're just despicable. Nasty. Despicable. The other big game in college football, and I kind of want to spend some time on this. Ohio State beats Michigan. If you if you haven't seen the replay, the game goes to double overtime. Ohio State goes for it on fourth and one after Michigan kicked a field goal. It's a questionable spot. Now, regardless, Brick, of whether or not you thought yeah, you, had, you had a good Barry point here, you've, down, you've been making a good point here, though. Regardless, you cannot blame that game on that play. Michigan had the ball at the two yard line, second and goal with 13.05 left in the third quarter, about to go up three scores fumbled and Ohio State never looked back Jim Harbaugh threw a hissy fit and this is my sound off so I want to save this threw a hissy fit on the sidelines and cost them 20 yards and a score you can't blame this game on that play and that's the thing that pisses me off so bad about seeing all these Michigan fans go off look kick six was terrible but I talked to you about it after the game Brick, you can't blame kick six on that kick. You can't do it. There were so many times Alabama could have put that game away. So many times that Alabama had opportunities to run out the clock, to force overtime, to do do that, and they didn't do it. Interceptions were thrown. Touchdowns were dropped in that game. I mean, look at the LSU game in 2011, game of the century. Trent Richardson... The first play of overtime has a for sure touchdown. Looks up too quick. The ball's not in his hands. And he drops a touchdown. Oh. Yeah. Remember that? Oh. But you don't think about that from that game, do you? No, you don't. But that, I mean, you can't blame a game on one play. You can't do it. And I, I'm sick of hearing, well, the refs this, the refs that. Well, they had two referees that were Ohio State fans. Well, just, just cry me a river. Honestly, cry me a river. 
No, Michigan should have won. They, you were. I like what you're saying here. I'm on board with what. In the second they got that first down, second they called that a first down after the review, you knew that game was over. It was done. You knew it they were going to score. It, that, it reminded me. It reminded me of 2014 Alabama LSU when Leonard Fournette got lit up by Reuben Foster. No one in the stadium believed LSU was going to win after that. No one. <laughs> I was there. No one believed LSU was going to win after that. I mean. I, I, it's just, it's a great football game. That Ohio State-Michigan game was a great football game. Probably one of the best in that rivalry. I, I'm not familiar with all the specifics in that rivalry. I think that's the first time, unless I have misinformation, I, I, be, I saw that that was the first time that storied rivalries ever gone to overtime. Which I, I believe that's right. I but found insane. The thing is, I mean, Brick, that's, that's a great game. And you can't convince me that those two teams aren't in the top four teams in the nation. No. Now, Michigan might have just played themselves out, and I think the better team won in this game um, just by a hair. But, you know, this is... I think I think both those teams mopped the floor with Clemson. I, do, I think, and Washington. I think this is essentially a, a three-team... Uh, country right now, not country. This is a weird way to say, but there are three teams that are head and shoulders above the rest. And I think the number one team, Alabama's head and shoulders above the next two. But I think the three best teams were top three this week. Now, the way football is set up, you know, sometimes these teams have to play each other, and that's going to kind of determine who goes to the playoff. But right. as as everything stands out, it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington. If they all, if Alabama, if the one, three, and four take care of business like they should this weekend. That'll be the playoff, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I don't see any way how that isn't. Before we yeah. get into the playoff, I still believe four teams is perfect. I do. I will never want eight. Never want eight because really? I think that takes away way too much of the importance of the regular season. I really. Alabama could have lost to But look look Auburn, at what it would have done the past two years. Auburn and three. Florida. And we still could have been we would have still been in the top eight. I don't want to be rewarded that way. So you don't think Alabama is one of the eight best teams in the nation if they lose to Florida and Auburn? I don't think we need eight teams to determine the playoff. I, um, look, I'm in favor of it because I want more football all the time. That's true. That's one of the draws to it, but I get what you're saying. But you're wrong. I I, th- I think eight or four <laughs> is perfect. I think it's perfect. Look, the BCS got it wrong twice. The entire time the BCS was in practice. The BCS was I, terrible. I think you can look back. Okay, name me the years where it got it wrong. I uh, got it wrong. Um, your LSU one. I don't think a two loss team should have ever Agreed. won the BCS. Two thousand seven. Yes. Um. I will not say it got it wrong in 2013. I just think the or 2003, when USC and Oklahoma played, just would that be the other year? I, I would say 2004 when Auburn went undefeated. That's what I meant. 2004. I don't think it got it wrong. I think that was the year they sorely needed a playoff. I okay. Other than that, look at every single BCS national championship and tell me those aren't the two best teams in the country. I'm with you there. You're hard-pressed to do it. I just think the four-team scenario is pretty perfect. I do, too. I, I'm, I, I, and I will, I will say that. 
I'm I love the playoff. I love it a lot more than I did the BCS. However, the BCS rarely get it wrong. College football has a weird way of working itself out every year. And you know I'm right. I know you're right. I think the top four right now are the teams that should be in a playoff. Yes. I, I do think a playoff does have a little bit to, I think it should as well, have a, t- a t- I, I wish the p- committee would admit it, but they've been sticking by, we want to put the four best teams in. You can't preach that. You can, this is not a year you can preach that. I think that it should have a little bit of semblance of conference implications in it. Now, I know that we're kind of ignoring that Ohio State's not going to win their conference, but I think we all agree they're the best team in that conference. Um, But to have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington, and you just kind of leave out a conference every season, I think that creates perfect discussion. I think that creates perfect resolution. If we're going to throw in, because if you're going to do an eight, we've got four teams now from the Big Ten. You're throwing in Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. You're not going to tell me that Colorado deserves to be in what should be a playoff to decide everything. They're at eight right now in the ranking. But you never know. What if the Colorado upsets in Alabama? Look, I'm not saying it's likely. It could happen. It could happen. And I think that'd be great for the sport. I think four is just, it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the right way to go. I think that's how they should I'm in favor of eight. Or my ridiculous plan of having a three game series home and home. Uh, But, um, (laughs) you know, you look down the line, if you're rooting for Team Chaos, obviously that would be. Michigan in this instance realistically you're hoping Washington goes down this weekend yes. I don't think you can think that Virginia Tech's going to beat Clemson I don't think you can really hope on Florida beating Alabama and even if they do that that somehow gets you in I think I will say I think Virginia Tech could beat Clemson I think Clemson's a shell of their self last year they're playing they're peaking right now which is great for them I think they're peaking at least because they did just kill South Carolina, they're bad, but they killed, like, massacred them. So I think they're peaking, which is a perfect time to decide to do that. But at the same time, Virginia Tech could do it. The NC State should have beat. Troy could have beat. All these teams could have beat Clemson this year. Yeah. Not outside of the realm of possibility. But if either of those two teams lose, you have got Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Colorado, if they beat Washington – Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State, all with two losses in there looking at. Now, Oklahoma State's kind of a joke to say, but the first five teams I just said there all have legitimate claims. Yeah. And really, Oklahoma State only has one loss if you take away the game that, you know, the refs called wrong. And the committee has said that they're looking at them as if they have one loss, I think. Or maybe they did say they're looking at them as if they had two. But you, we all kind of know what happened there. Right. <clears throat> anyway, that's stupid. I don't want to talk about Ohio- Oklahoma State unless they win this weekend. They play Oklahoma in the championship, do they? Yeah. Uh, well, they don't have a championship. That's right. That would be next year. So neither of those teams. Right. But Oklahoma has an argument. Colorado would have an argument. Penn State, Wisconsin, if one whoever wins this weekend, and the Michigan still has an argument that they're the top a top four team. What do you do? I. I mean, look, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a mess and. We've talked about it before on this podcast. I think it's going to take one chaotic year for them to extend to an 18 playoff. And I think you're, you're dang. I mean, look. Let's just let's just say realistically, 
like like Clemson loses, Washington loses. What is your playoff? Is it Bama, OSU, Michigan, Penn State? You can't. I you can't seriously put Oklahoma in the playoff. You can't do it. No, I, it's tough because they've played lights out, but against who? You have to ask. The, right, that's what beaten? I mean. Who have they beaten? You know, and then you've got Colorado. Who have they beaten? You got all these teams. Penn State yeah. and Penn. Wisconsin has lost to both Ohio State and Michigan. I wouldn't put them in, even if they win this weekend against Penn State. Yeah. They're winning because they just kind of are in the other division. But they lost to Ohio State and Michigan. They lost to both of them. Um, I would go... <sighs> you, you can't have three Big Ten teams in there. Why not? <laughs> My goodness, you can, I guess, but holy cow! I mean, do I think I don't think that the that they're part of the four best teams, but I think two of those teams definitely are. Yeah, I do too. And I'm sorry, but that's a if you're looking at okay, Brick. Let me ask you two questions. Name the best conference in college football this year. It's been the Big Ten. And why would you not have their champion in the playoff? Like, that's the thing is, like, that's the question that people are going to get asked. But you you go back and you look at Penn State's losses and you look at the beginning of their season. That's why. You know, I mean, go watch them play Michigan earlier this year. It was brutal. I mean, it, it was bad. So, I don't know. I it's If you're rooting for... An 18 playoff, you need to root for some chaos this weekend. That's all I know. Yeah. I just feel we like... good to move on? I do, I do. Yeah, we. I, I'd just be repeating myself at this point. Heisman talk. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, honestly, this year's such a down year for the Heisman. It really is. But you can't tell me that losing to Kentucky didn't at least open up this discussion. I feel like there I is think, actually a legitimate the discussion now. Absolutely. How are you going to let Lamar Jackson win the Heisman now? And he fumbled the game away. Look, I, I like Dante 2K. Foreman? Yeah. I'm shocked that you were saying that. Really? No, the kid I... who loves running the ball more than anything in the world likes the guy who ran it for 2,028 yards this year, really? I get that you like that, but also on a 4-8 and eight team. Or 5-7 and seven team. He's it had very player. it had very little impact on the team. We both know that the Heisman is as much a, a success award as it is well, a, an individual. Who do you give it to? Yikes. Um, woof. Okay, here's... This, this last weekend is going to be the biggest weekend for the Heisman ever, potentially. Because you're looking at... Um, Jackson won't be playing. A guy that I really like for the award, but he's kind of have he's 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 tied too much to his quarterback to win it. Would be Baker Mayfield and Dede Westbrook have been amazing, but they're tied to each other, so they both prevent the other one from winning, and they're not going to play this weekend. So you've got Clemson playing, you've got Washington playing, which would be Browning, who's probably in the top three, 
but that was such an ocean between them the last couple weeks. And then from there you'll have, I mean, Hurts at Alabama. It's, I think it could, I still think Jackson's going to win it unless, if you ask me, unless Deshaun Watson goes and plays out of his mind or Browning goes and puts up seven touchdowns. Well, because you do know that it is the last thing on a voter's mind is what they're going to vote for. Here's the top McCaffrey five. almost right now, won right because now, of what he did in the championship game. Right now, here's the Heisman watch. Jackson, Watson, Westbrook, Mayfield, Foreman. Browning's not even in the top five. Where are you looking at it? SC. <laughs> See, that's funny because in this one, he's third, and I'm on Sports Illustrated, so we just click different links. I saw, I saw one today that had Jalen Hurts fifth. Yeah, this one has him an honorable mention. The other yeah, one I clicked sorry. on had him fourth. Jalen Hurts has been awesome this year. And he's no Heisman. Rick, he's no. There's no way he should even sniff New York. He should not. He shouldn't even unless unless he puts up seven touchdowns this weekend. Just because that's how close it is. But no, that and this is a good point. We just have two completely flubbed up lists. Nobody knows other than Jackson's number one. I and think, that's why I think I'm Jackson saying, may win it by default. I don't. Unless somebody goes in like. Insane this weekend because we know time, McCaffrey I don't know again. How you give it to a two-loss guy. That's I know it is not going to be in the but playoff. And he just no, lost to Foreman, and he's an eight-loss guy. So what? Like, I'm a huge hypocrite. I don't want to give it to Westbrook or Mayfield, especially not Mayfield. Do you want to know my honest opinion? What I've been saying today, sure. I don't like Mayfield very much. If I had a vote, I would give it to Westbrook. He did not play the first three games of the season. He still leads the nation in receiving, and he still has 11 touchdowns of more than 40 yards, which is by far more than anybody. He has been out of his mind. And since. I'd give it to Foreman. And he missed those first two games. He, Ohio's or Oklahoma's losses or games that he did not play in because he was injured. 2,028 yards. I can't get over 5-7 and seven and how much of an awful team – Texas was this year. Plus, Dante 2K is a great nickname. That is a great nickname, and that does get him at least some le- le- leeway. But that's that's to say, I don't. I'm glad that neither of us. I don't want to see Jackson win it because all that's going to stick in my mind is watching him on live yeah. TV fumbling a game away against Kentucky. Yep. Is yeah. And the rivalry game and then the game against Clemson. He did not perform well. And uh, Houston. You mean Houston? He was okay against Clemson. He was pretty good. Was it Houston? It was Houston he was pretty bad in. Yeah. Clemson he played very – it was like – That's right. That's right. Valiantly that's right. in a losing You're right. effort kind of game. You're right. So, um, yeah. Let's move on. We're, we're not going to know anything about the Heisman until after this weekend. That's true. Uh, LSU keeps Orgeron in one of the greatest press conferences I've ever seen in my life because what is he even saying? Uh, I, I love it. Because, look, it's a local guy. How often do you see that anymore? A local guy getting to coach the university. The players love him, and I know that the players loved Miles, too. But I think this is a great fit for LSU. I do. I really, really do. And I feel like people underestimate him. Uh, And that's a dangerous move with a school like LSU. With a recruiter like Orgeron with a hotbed in recruiting like New Orleans that schools like Alabama and Florida have dominated the past year, year and a half, because LSU has been sort of wishy-washy with their coaching staff, 
Leonard Fournette's getting injured. It's weird. Not really sure we're liking what's going on in Death Valley. Orgeron steps in and says, no, this is how shit's going to be from now on. Turns it immediately around. I like I like it for him. I like it for the players. I even like it for the school. I promise you I do. It's still, after everything... Again, the situation was once again mishandled. After the days leading up to it, it still feels like a loss for LSU. If I was an LSU fan, I would be disappointed right now. Everyone else could look at it and go, well, that's good for them. I don't think Orgeron really seriously competes with Saban to take over the conference. I think Herman was your best bet at hope, hoping for that. But, you know, my dad's an FSU grad, so I was at home when he was, you know, when they decided to keep Orgeron the days leading up to it. I was with my dad, so he was following this religiously. Because for a day, it looked like Jimbo might be coming over. And everybody thought Jimbo was going to take this insane 10-year offer, and they were going to give it to him. That was all the rumor. Then it becomes pretty clear that that's all a hoax, and everybody says, all right, they've set their sights to Herman, and people expected Herman to be on the plane that night to Baton Rouge. All of a sudden, that wasn't happening. So then, on Friday, they kept Orgeron, and it just kind of felt like a, well, I guess we kind of have to now. Situation. So you think it feels like a cop-out? It, no, not, not as much a cop-out as a, all right, we had at least a very good fallback plan. Like, at least he was here as a good... Most schools don't have that. At least we have that. But I feel like they did not get either of the two big fish they wanted and just kind of... he's a great recruiter. It's going to take some time to see what he can do. I'm excited to see it. I think he's a great fit, and I think it's great that they hired a local guy. I wanted him. I wanted him to be at LSU, but also for the fact that I don't want LSU to seriously contend year in and year out like they did in the early 2000s with Nick Saban. I don't think he gets See, back think they to could. where they were. I think they could with Orgeron. Now, it depends on the OC that he gets, but I think they could do it. Um, don't, don't sleep on him, man. So we know Texas gets Herman. Um, I'm not a fan. You're not a fan of Herman. I was but I just don't know if he's done enough to really deserve this job. The Texas job is, look, the Texas job is a miserable one to have. I would have taken LSU over Texas. I can tell you that every day of the week. Everybody says, well, you're going to be competing against Nick Saban. Better than being in that hellhole of boosters. I mean, the, the expectations are so cutthroat at Texas. And I think Herman really – now, Herman's great because he's already got the Houston pull. He's already got the Texas recruiting pull. But, man, oh, man, if you don't – if you're not winning at least eight, nine games by your third season to Texas, you're gone. Yeah, no, that's, that's easy to say. Everybody loved Charlie Strong there, and they really wanted to keep him. I you remember the Red did. River rivalry last year when they, they beat could've. Oklahoma? <clears throat> that was – They loved him. They loved Charlie Strong. Gone. Herman has a chance because he's so young and he's was so amazing at Ohio State when they won that national championship. And then he, he turned Houston in from being horrible into good. Not great, like we all kind of hoped and expected. But he has the shot. He's the wild card. He's the boomer bust guy. He is the, is he the next Urban Meyer 
or I hate to say this name for like a third time on this podcast, or is he the next Derek Dooley? I'm serious. It's one or the other with him. You are not going to get a good coach, a less miles for the next 10 years. You are going to either have Urban Meyer or you're going to be doing this all over again in three to four years. That's what you get with Herman. That's a shot that Texas had to take, but I'm with you. I don't know. It's great just, if you've got I, Urban Meyer, but if you don't, boy, who could imagine I, it, 10 straight just, years of mediocrity from that it's team? It's tough. Now, there is a rumor going around, and I don't know if you've heard this, that LSU lost the bidding war, that Herman was asking for too much money. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I look back at what Alabama did. Alabama, we for, a lot of people forget what they were in 2006 and seven. They were about what LSU is now in the national spotlight. They were not what they are now. As the, you know, the, they were just a team that used to be pretty good and very good. Now they've been pretty good on and off, and they're bad. <clears throat> but Alabama said, we want this back. They invested in a guy that they believed would bring them back. And look at what, say, beyond the football field. If you look at how much that school has changed, all because of the investment they made, which was an egregious investment at the time in Nick Saban. I mean, people thought that Alabama was out of their mind for what they were giving Nick Saban. Right. But it paid dividends because they got the guy they believed in. If you think, if they thought Herman or Jimbo was this is the guy that's going to be able to completely redo our Ferguson Center. That's going to completely, you know, make us be able to add entire buildings to this campus and bring in out-of-state students and make the uh, attendance go from 25,000 to 38,000 in, in five years. Then you got to go get them. If they, if they thought that those were their guys and they didn't want to give them the $7 million a year, they wanted to give them the $5.5 million. I'm sorry, but that was a mistake. If you genuinely thought that was your guy, if you didn't, yeah. then I don't know what they were thinking. You know, if 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 they thought, well, you know, we can't afford to give them the extra million, then shame on them for not doing it. Because yep. I've seen firsthand. I mean, just in four years, how much a, how much a campus can change because your football team is bringing excitement from out of state students. Then again, maybe they didn't. Maybe they don't want to take that risk. And maybe they were like, all right, well, we believe in Orgeron just as much as Herman. A lot of other people are saying that the other reason they decided to keep Orgeron was because he had a promise. A promise that he was going to get a specific offensive coordinator that would completely change the philosophy of the school who currently coaches at Alabama. Oregon, who also has an opening, is another team that's linked to the Lane Kiffin. You think he goes to either of those two? Uh, if I had to put money on it, I bet that Lane Kiffin would go to Oregon. If Oregon offers Kiffin, Kiffin is out the door before the national championship. Yes. He's not coaching the national championship if Oregon won. Are you kidding? The Pac-12 wants me back? I'm there. Uh, no, I, I think you would, I think you would honor, I, I, I don't think you would leave before the national championship. Nah, Lane Kiffin wouldn't leave in the middle of the night to go to a different school. Actually, I'm <laughs> just... I think he would be afraid of getting destroyed and, and, and literally murdered by That's what Nick I mean, Saban. So I, think, I think he's way more mature than he used to be. Now, yeah. I'm not saying he's a mature guy. I just had to take that small shot at them in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I, but, I mean, seriously, I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, I don't see him doing that to Saban. Now, I don't see him doing that to his players. After the season, 
because he's not leaving for LSU before the season. But do I you could think... see him accepting the job. Oh yeah, but, but not what, leaving. What if Oregon tells him, which is what schools try to do all the time? Luckily, Georgia was very, very classy with this last year with um, with Kirby Smart. Not every school is willing to say. Like Colorado State did it with McIlwain, let him coach out. This is Colorado State we're talking about. Most schools will say, we want you here now. What? Why? Because Oregon has so much to look forward to? Because Oregon can wait a month, and they know that. A month Phil of Knight offseason will wait means a month. A month of offseason means more than you, than you think. I, 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 don't, I don't see them saying, okay, well, if they want Lane Kiffin bad enough, there's no way they'll say. Oh, yeah, there's a breaking point there. There, there okay, is a. Well, there's, there's, you know what? If you don't, if you don't come here before the national championship, well, then you just don't coach. No, that's not going to happen. Well, it's a breaking point. That's that's kind of what the, the the whole bartering system goes. You know, it depends on how badly they want them. There's, there's definitely a discussion to be had, but because if I'm Kiffin and someone says that, okay, I'll just go ahead and stay at Alabama and make my millions. That's fine. You guys don't have to have me. True. Play hardball. Someone else will want them next year. Yeah. Now after the season. I wrote Notre Dame. I regret putting Notre Dame, but I'm just saying they might be looking for a new coaching. But LSU, do you think there's merit to him leaving for there at all? No, I don't know why you would do that. Why would you take less money to go to a program that's less farther along? Now, getting they have the money to make him the highest paid head coach or offensive coordinator. They have the keeping Orgeron and saving money by keeping him. Getting rid of Cam Cameron and all that he was making, because he was the highest-paid offensive coordinator up until uh, he was let go and save, and you know they gave him uh, Kiffin more. Um, they have the money to make him the highest-paid. I don't know that this is a money thing. This is a. I don't think they'll do it. I have my system in place. Why would you leave Alabama for LSU? Other than maybe I just hate being under Saban and living in a shadow. And if I turn around the LSU offense now, I'm an offensive god. Right. That's all I got. I don't see it either, but I see the arguments. I don't believe in the arguments. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. Um, all right. Uh, anything else in this episode that's leaking over a little an hour? Uh, no, other than I've been wrong before. I should re- I should remind everybody that I've been wrong before a million times. So who knows? I'm not even an expert. I'm a I'm a guy that talks in a cheap headset. <laughs> I've got a sound off. Please. This will only last like 30 seconds. Jim Harbaugh has become one of my least favorite coaches in college football. I mean, to just the throwing of the the papers, the breaking of the headset. And I'm not saying he's the only coach in football that throws stuff. I get it. In that stage, and then to go out and just slam referees after the game, act like your team did nothing to lose that game, is just complete and utter immaturity. And I think it shows that he's still just one step below Meyer and Saban. And I don't think it's a close contest. And I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this, but I just, I don't see it. He hasn't done anything for them in the postseason. And a lot of people bring up, well, he did great against Florida last year. Yeah. Did you watch that Florida team play? Just saying. I I just, I I think he acted like a pestilent child and his team karmaically had to pay for it. And they did. 
and now there's no one to blame but himself. So he went and blamed the referees. Now, do you think he's going to get any sort of preferential treatment in the Big Ten after doing that? No. If I'm a, if I'm a Big Ten referee having one of good old Jim's games, yeah. Yeah, Jim's, Jim's players are getting an extra Hawkeye for me. Rant over. You got a sound off? I do. Um, my Miami Dolphins have won six games in a row. I just want to throw that out. I'm actually talking about the Hurricanes now. We talk about bad fan bases a lot as college football fans. Fan bases you, you don't like, fan bases that are bad, that are good, whatever. Tennessee. <laughs> I still vehemently believe that the worst from every aspect, not just the brag or the or the you know, the delusion, everything is the Miami Hurricanes fan base. You they are, are not the only person who thinks that. When they're good they're the most insufferable people ever. Um, when they think they're good, they're the most insufferable pe- people ever. And then nobody turns it around as quickly as them from... I, I, I caught a glimpse. They played... Uh, they played... Who'd they play? They played someone this past weekend. I'm going to look it up as I type this, but or say this. But um, essentially, it was their senior day. And they were introducing the seniors... Um, I caught a glimpse of that stadium. It looked like... They played Duke. It looked like about 5,000 people were there. Right. For the Miami Hurricanes to have 5,000 people at a game, that's pathetic. Every time every time I think the U is getting somewhere positive, it's it just slips back. It, <laughs> it just is. gradually slips back. They won eight and four. And I don't know how they get out of it. There was oh, it was okay as a first season under Richt, but Mark Richt couldn't even inspire confidence in that fan base to get more than like five thousand people to their senior day. And I know it was against Duke, but like, I mean, even the worst of teams, even even the South Florida Bulls, get more than five thousand people out to their senior day. You know, right. I've said that. I I just remember, I think I've said that a lot. You know, you feel me? Anyway, I got you. Miami Hur- got the Miami you. Hurricanes fan base is horrible. The Miami Dolphins have won six games in a row, and I still don't feel like watching their games. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> nah, it's good. They'll make the playoffs, and then I'll watch. Hopefully. Oh, okay. No, they're hey. gonna find a way to not make the playoffs. That's another episode of Pat's interference in the box. You can Probably... find us on Facebook at. Pat's Interference, it's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You find us on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com We are on iTunes. We're on Amazon, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, if you uh, if, oh, let, let me think of one. You didn't have you one know, ready today. Brick, right now. There is, uh, in, a, in a parallel medieval universe, there is a 18-year-old man riding on a horse, bareback, across the countryside of England to deliver a message to the king. And that message is the good episode 22 of Pat's Interference. Okay. <laughs> Pulled that one out of nowhere. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. And that's a great way to end the episode. Everybody, 
We hope you enjoyed it. Sorry we were sort of MIA last week, but family and Thanksgiving and whatnot. We appreciate you listening. We couldn't do this without you. It's always been a dream of ours to do this. And we thank you so much. And most of all, roll time. Roll time.